The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Our scripture reading today comes from Galatians 6, 11 through 18. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has crucified to me and I to the world." For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walks by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to Christ. Hey, everybody. It's so good to see you virtually, and I hope you've had a good week this week. Uh, I wanted to, before we jump into our passage this morning, bring just a few announcements that we're uh, continually giving and providing as we're uh, walking through this time of uh, meeting together virtually and through many means of of communication and uh, technology. As we continue uh, meeting through uh, these mediums, we want to continue doing our pathway. As disciples of Christ, uh, we have a a pathway at our church, at Christ Presbyterian Church, of worship, connect, and serve. And uh, what's beautiful is even though uh, the dynamics and culture has changed around us, the way we move down this pathway in some, in some ways has not changed at all. And so I'm very grateful to even uh, announce those things to you. The first way is by worship, uh, even what you're doing right now. Um, and uh, tuning in on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. to join us for our live stream worship together as all of our locations are, are meeting together to help put on Uh, those uh, services, as well as the recordings from uh, both myself and from uh, Russ Ramsey at the Cool Springs location will be available during those services. And uh, you can uh, uh, click during the service um, after the scripture reading or even at another time during the week to hear and even watch those sermons recorded. But we encourage you to join us uh, every Sunday at 10 a.m. to worship together, as well as continuing to worship together uh, privately, even in uh, on your own. There are many me- means of uh, that we're putting out there for our kids, for yourself, to have personal uh, devotional time with the Lord, as well as in your groups meeting together. And that brings me to our next part of the pathway, Connect. There are so many avenues right now as I'm getting texts and pictures of our Connect groups, which are neighborhood groups that meet uh, throughout different neighborhoods who are taking pictures of their uh, Zoom meetings together and all their little squares and uh, as they talk about passages and and pray for one another and meet together. We want you to continue to connect. Uh, One of the things that that happens in this time, especially now under the uh, 14-day sheltering, is we can increasingly grow isolated uh, and not, uh, not only meet together, but just talk, uh, see a face, gather in that way. And so 
uh, encourage you to connect that way. I've even had people drive by in cars uh, just to talk outside their windows as we stand on our porch. Uh, Times and opportunities for you to um, actually connect face-to-face is so, so valuable. And it's also a great way to join a connect group. If you haven't gotten into an actual group Uh, A a connect group is a great way to do it. We have multiple forms of those specifically at at, at all of our campuses and you can check those out uh, on our website, ChristPres.org. And finally, to serve. To continue thinking about how are the ways that we can sow good now into the fabric of what's going on. And I know it's hard to at this point, but even checking in with people, calling, uh, sending uh, 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 meal cards, um, asking needs, Uh, And then also kind of gathering what needs are so that when this time and this period is kind of lifted, that we're able to move forward, that you can um, serve your neighbors by knowing what they need and then be ready to address it, uh, even if we're unable to immediately now. As well as uh, you can also go on our website and continue to uh, address the current needs for the tornado relief uh, that is ongoing. Um, So there's a lot of ways to continue down that pathway. Well, as we uh, continue and finish actually wrapping up our series in Galatians, uh, I do um, and encourage about what we've been able to look at. You know, as we've had this uh, after our extended spring break, which is what it has seemed like, I know most of us are kind of settling into our routine, which is stay at home. And uh, most of that schedule has really uh, been an interesting one. You know, we had our son's... um, fifth but one of our son's fifth birthday this week and a lot of people were like hey what'd you do for his birthday and I'm kind of just quietly sitting there thinking well you know what we did we probably did the same thing you're doing (laughs) uh being at home and and celebrating him and um and seeing all those things it's interesting you know it's changed our 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 life schedule uh it's changed our work schedules many of you as you are working at home man i've been on more hours of zoom calls this week than i think i've ever used Uh, i'm sure many of you have too i've seen a lot of pictures and heard funny stories from those as well as just life at home i mean how are people doing this uh even looking at tv shows who all the reporters are announcing and doing everything out of their houses it's upended our schedules and it's the, isn't that what it is? This small thing that we can't even see has taken every structure, every rule that we've been living by, everything that we've known consistently and has completely turned it on its head. And we've had to change our routine, change our schedule. Everything that was ours, everything that we held that we thought we have this down, we have this system, it works. Man, we've had to reevaluate the whole thing. We've had to turn it all over and even ask the questions, how much toilet paper do I have and how much groceries do I have and what do I do next? I mean, it has flipped us over all because of something so small that we can't even see it. We only just really even see the effects of it and it has caused us all to be so humbled about how we live our lives. You know, we've been looking at this letter of Galatians, and as we do wrap it up in the very last section, Paul himself uh, writes these letters. I know that sounds funny, but in those times, they had what was called an amanuensis, and oftentimes, uh, uh, maybe if you want to call them a professional scribe of sorts that would actually write in really good calligraphy. 
And but Paul here takes the pen from his amanuensis in order to actually give the personal note. And he says, I write in big letters, probably from a number of reasons. Maybe he wasn't good at it. Maybe he was just writing in a way to, to get the point across. But all to say his personal touch to authenticate the reality of that here's what the real rule, here's the real structure. I don't want you to, rem- to forget that here's what it really means to live in Jesus. Because he had set up this church. He had, he had started this church in the 40s, 50s uh, AD. He writes to them and he says, these people have, who've come behind me to tell you, you need to upend your structure. You need to change everything. You need to do it all this way. To say to be a Christian, in order to, to live as a Christian, you have to take on a whole new set of rules. It has to change everything you do in order for you to call yourself this. And Paul says no. Paul says, in order to be a Christian, there's only one rule. There's a rule, there's a standard here that counts. And he says, and those who walk by it, peace and mercy be upon them. What is that rule? What's the rule that we are to live by? What is that? As he writes in large letters. We're going to look at this rule as opposed to all our rules. What is God's rule? What does he end with for us to carry with us, to take with us out from this? And he talks about this rule in three ways. He says, first, it's what we boast in. Second, it's what we're consistent in. It's being consistent. And third, and really most importantly, it's what being a new creation in. So those, that's what this rule is about. So first, let's talk about this, what we boast in. After he writes this about making big letters, in verse 12 he says, It is those who want to make good showing in, order to, in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh." You know, as I mentioned, this whole letter centers around the fact that this church was started and a group came after them to say that, eh, after Paul, to say that the way you do church, the way you become a Christian and live as a Christian isn't what Paul told you. You need to start looking more outward. You need to start taking on more rules, more structure, more rituals. And part of that was boasting in the flesh. It was taking that on. Now, they, they may not have said it that way, but this is what Paul is saying. There's a boasting in the outward versus the inward. And what do we boast in, you know? One of the words in this passage that's used often is the word boasting. And we don't say boast a lot, but there are things in our lives where we really hold up. They're the system. They're the, the, the rule by which we live. The, the way that we think Life should be done. And that's the rule. But when those things get taken out, man, that's when you really see what your real safety, comfort, and control are in. Time Magazine recently did uh, an article just based simply on why are we so obsessed with hoarding toilet paper? (laughs) And they really came to the conclusion that it's not so much just the crisis, it's that there's something about that one element that if we have it in our homes that we feel comforted. We feel like we can still control part of our emotional needs. But notice that even in that, isn't that true? I mean, when things are taken out, what do we really lean on? What what is the thing? What is the rule of life? Man, no better time than now to ask, what do we really 
hold control in? What do we really boast in? What's the rule? What's the system? And man, I don't know about you, but all my systems have been upended just like yours. And I'm having to ask the question, what do I really boast in? What do I really think makes me me by being able to live in control of this whole system and structure? It's, it's a means of self-salvation. Just as he was saying to them, they, they boast in this flesh because to them, if you can show that you do all the Christian things, if you can, if you can do all those things, then you're proving it. He even says that they show that the, the people, look, he says, look, they're a show for me. They're making a good show of fl- in the flesh. They're boasting in your flesh. He, these people are trying to say that because they have all these other people that are doing exactly what they are, that they're doing equals them being Christians, them doing in the flesh, and that the outward appearances are what matter. If you can show it, then you are it. But I'll tell you what, if there's any time that has really knocked the systems, knocked the pillars and columns of outward religiosity out from under us, it is right now. Any of the gatherings that we would have, any of the places that we would go that would make people think that we are religious or Christians would, would, are right now. They're not being knocked out. It just reminds me even of when I was in college. I remember going to a, a, a university that was uh, more Christian-like. And, and, and there were certain people that would go to, on Sunday mornings, would dress up and go to the, the cafeterias and act as though they had went to church just by the way that they dressed, even never going, so that people would think that they went. What, to avoid shame, to, to show the outward appearance of religiosity. We, we live in a world where our doing drives our being. And, and, and we live in a world where our outward appearance is everywhere. The reviews are everything. We li- I was just listening to uh, a uh, This American Life podcast. We got a lot of time to do podcasts more than even before. And sometimes I listen to This American Life and they have some, this NPR podcast, they have some great storylines in there. This one in particular was called Everyone's a Critic. And the Beginning was talking about the average customer on Amazon and it was interviewing an author who had put a book out there who was trying to get all the stars and ratings. But this is one of the things that he talked about was, as Ira Glass interviewed him, was that we're always giving stars and reviews, that our whole world revolves around the idea of that. In fact, as they did some digging even from his book to say, people even go on Amazon to review Amazon gift cards. (laughs) And that they give them five stars. Even so much so that things have been assessed like even the Statue of Liberty itself has gotten one star. That we live in a world of reviews and stars and, and that our hearts are bent towards that. that there's, there's this motivation in us to have the right appearance in place. To have everything in place so that we know that we can boast in something. But when it's knocked out, what do we have? Paul says this, verse 14, he says, But far from me, be it from me, to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That that we boast in the cross. And this is a whole new concept. That that what it means to be a Christian, it means we boast in something that we can't depend on ourselves. See, to, to actually adhere to the cross, this is what Christianity is. To, to consider ourselves a disciple 
it mean, of, of Christ, it means we're taking on a life of the cross where we know that it is not up to us. It means our boasting has to be leveled. It means every standard that we thought that made us superior or inferior is leveled. Every way that we thought we were so good and could depend on our own flesh and could have five-star reviews for ourselves and feel so good has been leveled at the cross because we have to look at it and say, God in Jesus on the cross has taken up all the ways that we could save ourselves. It's saying that we believe that God says we can't save ourselves. That only in Jesus' work going to the cross and taking it on means that that's the only way we can be saved. It's not by our flesh. It's by his flesh. And it, do, it also means we can't believe in the one star for ourselves, that we, we can't go to despair either because it shows that we are so valued that God himself would take on that flesh and go to the cross for us, that he would die for us in that. that this is what we boast in. It means our standard has to be changed and leveled in a whole new way. It means we have to boast in something completely different because it's not on us. So when the pillars are knocked out, when the systems and rules and and structures that we've all had are completely upended and flipped on its head by something so small, yet God in himself comes to do this work so that we can depend on him, not on what we can or can't do. See, it means being consistent. This, This rule means be consistent. See, What Paul points out here is they're being inconsistent even in the way that they're talking about this. They claim to follow Jesus, but they're putting it all in their own flesh. They say that that in verse 13, for even those who are circumcised, that is this group, they don't themselves keep the law, but they desire to have others do it. (laughs) There's an inconsistency. They don't keep it themselves. They'd rather it be a good showing. They'd rather... Everything outside look fine, but inside be a mess. In, in the New Testament, Jesus quotes this. Even from the Old Testament, Jesus quotes this. When he's talking to the Pharisees, he quotes from Isaiah 29, 13. He says, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, their hearts are far from me. And their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. He's saying that there's so much going on outside, but inwardly, It couldn't be close at all. But there's an inconsistency. There's not a closeness. There's not a relationship. There's a difference between, and as I mentioned earlier, doing and being. And how about you? I'm a person who typically loves to do. We I think we all are. We do, 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 do. And and in this life and time, it's easy to equate our doing with our being. So that if I do good things. If I do this, if I have this system in place and it's working and I continue to do it, I can think of myself as good. This is why we have such issues and shame and difficulty because what happens is when we fail in our doing, our being doesn't do good either. If our doing equals our being, then when our doing is stinks and messes up and fails, then our whole being is wrecked. 
and then we spiral into shame. It means our doing, if we fail in our doing, then we have complete shame in our being. That's what Paul's trying to get at is, is there's a difference between us leaning on our doing and showing our doing rather than who we really are in our being. So we can do a lot of great things and have our beings be terrible, who we are. But Paul is really getting at this consistency. It's just as even someone said the other day, just joking to me about this time uh, as a, a time of Lent almost. They said, I didn't really think that we'd have to give this much up for Lent. And one of the things about this time that we're having to give up is all the doings that we ever thought we were. All the ways that we thought we'd gather, gather together. All the ways that we thought we could do things that make us feel like we're being someone. Whether it's work, whether it's church, whether it's relationships. All the things are having to stop at once in this odd time of confinement. And we're having to ask the question, who are we really? I think more than any other time we're starting to ask this. It's calling us to actually grieve healthily. The loss of what, what, who we really are to gain meaning. I was just uh, sent an article recently from the Harvard Business Review about, about this structural question. And that title was, this discomfort you feel is actually grief. That the, what we are and where we are in this time of discomfort, feeling like we are uncomfortable with the fact that we have to be at home, we have to change our lives, we have to take on a rule that's saying that we have to be distanced from everyone and everything, is forcing us to actually do something that we need to be doing is grieve. Grieve real loss, grieve real difficulty, grieve really hardship. And even in this article it talked about anticipatory grief things that may even be in the future we don't even have control over there what does it mean for us to actually grieve what does it mean to attach our hearts to it what it means to be a disciple of Christ to, to take on the cross means that we're addressing the reality of this world it means that we grieve with health and life it means that to be a Christian we are to be the most consistent people on earth that we hold both grief and hope together all the time. Because to follow Jesus means that we're following someone who took up the cross and died. Because see, the cross, again, it says this. It says grief is real because God had to come into this world and address the reality of how sinful, how broken, how messy and isolated and, and, and tarnished we really are. See, long before this virus happened, I really think a lot of what we are was already there. And a lot of what's being exposed in our hearts, being confined and having to see it, where it's not just the discomfort, we're having to grieve what we really see in ourselves and what could really be in our world to come. And this is why God saw it fit to take on flesh and to come to a step into the grief himself. You see, what Paul is saying is that when he boasts, far be it from me, except to, in, to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What he's saying is that it is in Jesus that he came to address the issues of this world. See, no other religion, philosophy, idea says that its actual founder decided that it's going to come in flesh 
take it up and actually die for the issues, the grief, to actually say that it is unique that the more grief actually makes more room for love. See, healthy grief is that. To grieve actually makes more room for love because here's what it does. It means we're embracing loss. The cross means it actually is embracing loss and the grief that is really here in order to make more room. Why? Because he died in order to save us, to bring us to God, to reconcile us to God himself. See, without the cross, we can't really grieve healthily towards what it really means to be in relationship. See, taking healthy grief makes more room for love because it invites more in. It says, I need someone else in with me. And especially now in a time of isolation, whether you're home alone, maybe you're distanced from others, this is the time to not avoid it, but to take it in, to embrace the loss, to talk about it, to connect with people in connect groups and talk about how hard it is being alone in a house or to talk about how difficult it is to grieve the losses of of not having a normal routine and families bickering (laughs) kids not knowing what to do every parent now having to become a teacher because they're having to learn what it means and how hard that is changing the normal routines but grieving the losses that are really bubbling up to the surface because we're embracing it in order to triumph over it. See, the, the way we do that is only not just by what we boast in in that, but it is what he says here. It's, for it's neither circumcision that counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. A new creation. We are a new creation. See, what was going on with this group that Paul was talking about in this entire letter? The entire thing could be summed up in this, that they are avoiding the cross of Christ. They're avoiding persecution. It even says this here in verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would force you to be circumcised, force you and I to be great outwardly, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. That's it. That's Galatians summed up right there. It is the fact that if somehow, if some way we could avoid the persecution, the difficulty, the the grief and loss that comes with Jesus taking this on, then, then, then maybe we can just be comfortable. But what we're doing is we're missing the beauty of it. Instead of embracing what's hard, we're losing ourselves. What it means to be a new creation means that we're wrapped up in what Jesus has done for us. Uh, you know, a, a couple times lately I've been quoting C.S. Lewis, and I, I don't often quote him back to back. There's so many great things that he gives. One of his writings called Screwtape Letters. It's a book actually called uh, uh, Screwtape Letters about a, a senior devil, an uncle talking to his junior devil about how to disrupt human beings how does how does he attack those who are followers of God and he calls God the enemy in this book because it's a, a a demon talking about God this is actually a quote that was circulated in our Christ Presbyterian Church staff recently I thought was wonderful um, and, and very timely about plagues how does Satan and our sin permeate in 
to us through plagues that are sent, such as even the one we're in. Listen to this. My dear Wormwood, that's what the senior devil calls the junior devil. Plagues are most effective weapon given to us by our father below. That means by Satan. Normally Christians are quite comfortable in receiving the dreaded sacraments and gathering in their prayers and other heinous arts. But if you can stir up a hysteria by means of a plague so that they cut themselves off from our enemy's gifts to them, the torment of isolation will drive them to despair and season them quite deliciously, much to our delight. Get them to forget about their usual practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgivings, and encourage them to become gluttons, slanderers, and lose all regard for their neighbors, thinking only about themselves and their immediate needs, and storing up treasures which can send moth and rust to destroy further sweetening and torment." If you can help them to redefine their usual words like church, fellowship, ministry, so that they feel comfortable cutting themselves off from our enemies' care, and they will be tempted to do it all the more. I could not think of a more apt description of how we are feeling at this time. Because the temptation for us would be to define ourselves by what's happening now. See, what happens is, if you think about this progression that Paul's doing, is he says, first, what are your structures? What are the rules? What's the outward appearance? Let's get past that. It's not by the outward appearance. What is your heart really calling you to? Who are you really to be consistent with what matches who you really are with what your heart is? But who are you in Jesus is a new creation. And what, there's nothing like what we just read there and what we're going through right now that's calling us to ask the meaning to redefine. Are we going to allow ourselves to be redefined by something like a plague, like a virus? You know, I've been reading um, so many articles recently about the distinctions that this COVID-19 is drawing out and, and horrible distinctions Distinctions that, that the more that there is this uh, gaining of this virus spreading in our nation, that the more socioeconomic, the more racial, the more uh, things are being dis divided and distinct. And yet here's what Paul says in verse 15 that Christianity does. It says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. That there are not, in Christianity, there are not those distinctions. That if we don't identify, we don't define ourselves by how much we've been able to gather over for the next two weeks. We don't define ourselves by the ways that, that we identify ourselves of where we live. Are we comfortable? Are we okay? Do we have, I mean, all of the articles that you read about what's going on in, this, in the fear and anxiety. And yet what we are called is a new creation. That there's not a distinction. That our identity is totally new. We're defined by Jesus himself. That our definition isn't who we are, think of ourselves during this time of the virus. Or this time of even the tornadoes. But because of our new identity, we move into it differently. That we don't have to, as it says here, be stirred up into a hysteria by means of the plague and cut ourselves off from our Lord's gifts 
or from one another. We can continue pressing in. We have a new identity we make sense of ourselves through to love everyone around us. That means anything else that we think would make our identity or define us through this world has no merit. It is only a new creation of who we are in Christ that he saw it fit to come in flesh, to not only take up the cross, but to live in a world that we are living in, to set foot on a planet that is full of what is our illnesses and difficulties and devastation and disasters. And he walked among all of that in order for us to be wrapped up into himself in his life, death, and resurrection to give us hope. Because if we stop at the cross, we're missing what the new creation is, that when he raised from the dead, that he was showing us the new creation of who we really are in him and the hope that we have. We don't just grieve and stay at the cross, but we hope because we know at the cross our sin has been dealt with, this world has been dealt with, and he rose again to show that it will not have the final say. I wish I could walk down to the table as I usually do at our location and and remind ourselves of that, even as maybe this is a a good moment for us to, to feel that longing and also know that it is for us who are called by him as a new creation that we drive out. It calls us to a new identity and it calls us to a new obedience Not to be showy, because right now we can't do anything. (laughs) There is nothing we can really do specifically that's so outward, but it's what we're preparing to do. It's it's reaching, it's the small things. It's it's our hearts being retooled in order that when this virus lifts, when things move out, that we are already sowing the good seed of the gospel of good news into the fabric around us so that we're showing what is a new creation living boasting not in ourselves not in our outward appearances not that the doors could be shut to every church and yet the good news of who we really are in Jesus could never stop it's never thwarted There's nothing that can remove us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And who we are because of that gives us not the motivation to be on defense, but on offense. To move out, to be ready. So that when we have opportunity, whether now or later, that we display the new creation that we are in Christ Jesus to the world and invite them into that. Praise be to God for his word and his truth. If you will now take a moment with me as we sing the doxology and then receive the benediction. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.
Now receive the Lord's benediction. If you would like where you are, raise your hands and your hearts to receive it. And may that one who came in flesh, who touched those who were infirmed, who walked amongst the devastation of Israel, the one who came here, we could find where he lived on a map and coordinates and yet took himself to the cross to, to die for every reality that we are in now and to rise again then for the hope that we will live in from now to eternity. Go with you now and forevermore. Amen.